from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. Hear the words of the prophet as he prophesied thousands of years before the coming of Jesus Christ, prophesying of the suffering servant who would suffer for us. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with the grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by the Lord and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we were healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb led to slaughter, like a sheep before its shearers is silent, he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him and to put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many be counted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, 
because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Though he was put to death by the cruelty of the Jewish nation and the cruelty of the Roman nation, he was put to death because of our cruelty. Had we been there, we would have been the ones that had put him to death. And though all of that is true, yet still it is true that it was the will of the Lord to crush him. And when he saw the anguish of his soul, his righteous judgment was satisfied. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for laying down your life. You said, Lord, that no one takes your life from you, but you lay it down willingly. And Lord, knowing that we would put you to death, knowing that it was the will of the Father and it pleased him to crush you, you willingly went to the cross. And for this, Lord, we thank you and we remember tonight your death for your glory. Amen. Yes, let's pray. Father, thank you for that, that, that cross, Lord, that was just stood between us and our certain demise, our certain doom, Lord. But you took the doom, you took the demise, you took the destruction in your own precious body on the cross that we might be free, that we might be whole, that we might be holy, that we might be forgiven, that we might be healed. And Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you for the gift of your death. Yes. And Spirit, we thank you for applying it all to us, that we might be made new. And we, we turn our hearts tonight toward your great suffering, Jesus. We turn our hearts to that, that we might remember, we might be thankful, and we might proclaim to others what you have done. And all this... Is, is more than we can ever comprehend. And we look forward to that day in glory when the scales will fall off our eyes and, and what yes. we understand so in such a limited fashion now, Lord, will be so, so clear to us and so revealed to us. And so, God, we pray that you would sustain us by your grace until that day when we see you face to face. Yes. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The night before Jesus was crucified, he gathered with his disciples for a Passover meal. Now, Passover was the most significant night. It was Christmas. It was Easter all rolled up into one. It was the most significant night in the life of a Jewish person, a Jewish man, a Jewish woman, a Jewish family. It was the most significant time on their calendar. And all of Jesus' disciples, being Jewish men, would have anticipated, they would have understood the significance, the historical significance of what was being portrayed before them. They would have understood what was going on that night in the upper room uh, in Jerusalem where they went through this familiar ceremony. See, Passover looked back. It looked back more than 1,500 years before Jesus when the Israelite people were um, slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, that God had heard their cries for deliverance 
And they were asking to be delivered from a power that was terribly oppressive and a power that was too great for them, more than they could overcome in their own strength. And so God heard their cries and he sent nine plagues, one right after the other in quick succession, in order to devastate the power of Egypt, to humble Pharaoh and to persuade him to let his people go. He turned the river Nile into blood. He sent frogs and lice and flies to cover their land. He brought pestilence on their livestock and wiped out their livestock. They suffered from boils. God destroyed all of their crops with hail and with locusts. And lastly, he covered the entire land of Egypt with a darkness that the Bible describes as a darkness that could be felt. But after all these crushing blows, Pharaoh's heart was not softened, but it was hardened further. And he refused to let the Israelites go, no matter what. So God sent a tenth plague, a final plague, to crush Pharaoh and to glorify himself. He would dispatch a destroying angel on a certain night to go throughout the land and strike down every firstborn son in Egypt, including the very household of the king. But God gave his own people an ordinance in order to preserve them. They were to kill a lamb and and eat it all with their family, with bitter herbs, and and they were to eat it all, consume it all before morning. They were to leave no leaven or have no leaven in their households during this process, and and they were to eat their meal fully dressed. There was no casual night. They were to be fully dressed, their staffs in hand. They were ready to leave Egypt. And most importantly, more than all this, they were to take the blood of that lamb that they had slaughtered and and smear it on the tops and on the sides of the doors into their home. And the promise of God, if they did that, was this. It was found in Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. It says, and when I see the blood, this is God speaking, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So as God exercised judgment on the great nation, his own people were spared. And they walked out of Egypt, having plundered their former oppressors. So in their commemoration of this event, the disciples understood that it pointed to something in their national past. They celebrated Passover every year with their families since they were little boys. They heard of God's deliverance many times over. And they understood the, the lamb that was slaughtered, the bitter herbs, the absence of the leaven, the need to be fully prepared for a quick deliverance from Egypt. They understood sacrifice, that only the lamb's blood would protect them from God's outpoured wrath. But while they might have understood the meaning of Passover for their past, they missed entirely its meaning for their present and for their future. They they didn't understand or comprehend at that time. The Passover was a big directional arrow. And it was pointing to a much greater, a much all-encompassing deliverance wrought for both Jews and Gentiles, for Egyptians and even Americans alike. 
They didn't know that this deliverance would happen right before their very eyes. Now they knew that the lamb, each family sacrificed so long ago was sacrificial. They understood that. It represented a high cost that had to be paid so that they could be forgiven, so that they could be overlooked in judgment. And even though some of them had once been followers of John the Baptist, it seems like they had completely forgotten his grand testimony about Jesus that we find in John chapter 1, verse 29. It says this, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said to those around him listening, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. They didn't understand the lamb to be sacrificed was not, was not laying on the table. It was seated there with them at the table. Jesus was the lamb. They, they, they didn't understand that he was soon in a matter of hours going to be slaughtered. And that he was willing to lay down his life for others. And furthermore, they didn't understand that consuming the lamb entirely was not only a symbol. But, but it was, it was a representative for them of our need to take Christ and, and to, to take Him inside ourselves, the perfect Lamb, and to consume Him and to be nourished by Him and sustained only by His grace. John 6, 54, Jesus revealed this great mystery of consuming Christ to the crowds. And the Bible tells us later in the chapter that that crowd was offended by that revelation. In chapter, chapter 6, verse 54, it says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh, Jesus says, is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. They didn't understand that the bitter herbs they consumed represented sin, and, and sin never satisfies. The herbs also represented the cup of bitter suffering that the Lamb of God was about to drink down to the dregs for them. And so that they could enjoy the sweet wine of renewed fellowship with the Father, someone else was about to drink that which was bitter for them. Though Christ had told them plainly, completely plainly, three times during his time with them, that he would go to Jerusalem, he would suffer much from the chief priests and the elders, and eventually be crucified. The, Bible's tell, the Bible tells us that they did not understand these words. They were blinded by their political dreams and their aspirations of what they thought Jesus was supposed to be and what they thought he was supposed to do. As they scurried through their house, like they did since they were little Jewish children, as they scurried through their house year after year, making sure that no leaven was found within the walls of their house on that sacred night, they missed the fact that Jesus, with the same diligence, would remove the power of sin from their souls. 1 John 3, 5 says this, it says, You know that Jesus appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. There's no leaven in Jesus. The Bible says that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. None of us in ourselves are without the corrupting influence of sin constantly dogging us. But Jesus, Jesus has broken all power of sin in us 
Even as we struggle with the presence of sin, the power is gone, though the presence is there. He hides us in himself, Colossians says, where we're untouched by sin's poison. Man, isn't that a great place to be? But most of all, they failed to see that it was the blood of Jesus, not the blood of a lamb from the flock, but it was the blood of Jesus that when applied to their hearts, as the doorway of their soul, when it was applied to their hearts, that would serve to satisfy, as we just sang, the holy wrath of God. When the blood was applied to their hearts, God's wrath would be totally satisfied. It was the blood of Jesus that would mean utter devastation for all the enemies of God and all the people of God. I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about curses. I'm talking about the devil and his and his ravening hordes. I'm talking about the final enemy to be defeated that the Bible says is death. And so what I want to ask you to do now is just kind of quiet yourself, still yourself. And I want you to give you some things that the New Testament, not the Old, says about the power of the blood of Jesus and what it has accomplished for you. So that this night that we gather together to commemorate the cross of Jesus isn't just you know a thing we do every year. It, it really, I want you to hear what God has said has been purchased for you through the blood of Jesus, so that we're not like those disciples who didn't remember, who didn't know, who didn't see, who didn't have the insight to know what Jesus has done for us through the shedding of his blood. Colossians 1.19 says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of of his cross. Did you hear what that said? God, who once was an enemy of you because of your sin, has now, through the blood of Jesus, he has made peace with you. You have fellowship with God because of the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 1 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Guess what? Your sins, if you have put your trust in Jesus, they have been forgiven. All of those past regrets that you have, the things that you wouldn't want anybody in our church to know about, they are gone, forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. The things that you struggle with today in your present life, they are absolutely, the power of them is absolutely absolutely devastated by the blood of Jesus. And anything, any failure that you might have in the future is absolutely covered, completely atoned for by the blood of Jesus. You have forgiveness of sin because of the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? What the blood of Jesus allows you to do is to have freedom from your dead works. You're not in bondage to old addictions, old habits, old attitudes, old, old, you know, works of the flesh. They're all dead now because of the blood of Jesus. And what that does, it doesn't just give you the, the freedom that that describes, but it, the Bible says in Hebrews that it enables you now to serve the living God. If you think that you cannot serve God because of something in your past or something in your present, you do not understand the blood of Jesus. You've been set free from those dead works so that you can serve the living God. 
Hebrews 10, 19 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Guess what? If you want to pray and be heard by God, if you want God to, to give you access into his throne room so that you can make petition to him, it only happens by the blood of Jesus. You have accidents, you, a, access, you have confidence to speak to your father as God because of the blood of Jesus that has given you that access. Hebrews 13, 12 says, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify or make us holy, to make the, his people holy through his own blood. Jesus' blood is, is, is the reason that you can change, that you can become more into his image, that you can be washed clean and purified more and more every day. It is the blood of Jesus that makes you holy. And you are sanctified through the blood of Jesus. And lastly... One of my favorites. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Jesus' blood enables us to overcome our enemy in temptation, in fear, in persecution, in sickness, in death, and in every other thing we overcome, we triumph, we win because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I, as believers in the year 2020, actually have benefits that the first disciples on that night so long ago did not have. Because we have the Word of God completed and able to remind us of these things that I'm reminding you of tonight. We have the Spirit of God dwelling within us as believers to prompt our own hearts to consume Christ, to reach out to Christ, to take Him and to consume Him and bring Him into ourselves. It's the Spirit of God who lives within us, who applies Christ's blood to the door of our hearts, resulting in our salvation. Pastor Dave, in a moment, is going to read us the story of Christ's crucifixion. And though you may have heard it a thousand times, don't sin tonight. Don't be found sinning tonight by tuning this story out. Right now, whatever's around you there in your home, put aside every single distraction. And let your heart be broken as you see clearly in your mind's eye. The precious blood of Jesus spilled out for you. As you see, as the old song says, his sacred head now wounded. As you hear his groans of agony mingled with love. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And be moved in your heart tonight. Be moved in your heart towards the very foot of your Savior's cross. Meditate. Absorb, take it all in. Remember and prepare your heart to come thoughtfully by faith in a few minutes to this table. And here, when you arrive, feast on the riches of His grace and feast on the fullness of His purifying blood. A reading from Matthew chapter 27. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. 
they compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Yes. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. And my prayer for you and for each one of us tonight is that as we ponder and reflect on Christ crucified, that we would confess along with the centurion, truly, truly, this is the Son of God. It says in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes that, that Christ crucified is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those who are called Christ crucified, the power and the wisdom of God. Jesus, thank you that in the moment 
that you hung on the cross and died. In the moment where the world looked and saw you as broken and defeated and dead. In fact, Jesus, that was the moment where you were assuming your place as King of Kings and Lord of Lords over all the heavens and all the earth. And so we we confess and we celebrate tonight that even as you were broken and bloodied for us, even as you died a horrible death, you were in fact in that moment being glorified yes. by the Father. And we confess tonight that you are our King. Christ crucified is our hope. And we confess that all glory and all honor and all praise belongs to you. Yes, yes. In Jesus' name, yes. amen. amen. If you would, just prepare your hearts for the Lord's Supper. The night where they shared the Passover that I described earlier was the night that the Lord gave this institution, this ordinance, this sacrament to the church. And he has told us to do this often in his word. And so what better night for us to embrace all of the beauty of the Lord's Supper than the night when we remember and commemorate the crucifixion of our Lord. That we uh, would, would use these elements to remember, to, to jar our memory into remembering the suffering of our Lord. That though we're separated by the coronavirus right now, that we would use it to unite as the body of Christ. Yeah. And that we would be uh, united in, in communion, as I've told you uh, at least a thousand times, that word means common union. That this is, this is what we gather around. The, the broken body, the spilled blood of the Lord Jesus is what makes us love each other. It's what makes us united to each other. We have no other... Thing that would make us this so commonly together. And so we, we just want to celebrate that tonight. We thank God for what it represents in, in our purification and in our healing. And so as, as we do this tonight, I want to read you uh, words that I don't normally read you as, as words of institution. I want to read you the words of this story from, from the book of Luke. And as we do that, just prepare your hearts. And I'm going to ask uh, Paul and David to come and they're going to they're going to help me serve and um, and I want you to just uh, once we read these words and, and once we serve each other and pray over these we'll, we'll uh, you, you can just serve the, the elements of people in your in your household and then we'll take them all together uh, when we're done so let me read these words to you from Luke chapter 22 14 and when the hour came he reclined at table and the apostles with him and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And he said... Excuse me. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you, which is given for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. I'm going to ask Paul to come now and serve us the bread, those of us that are gathered here, and to pray uh, over it for the Lord's blessing. Lord Jesus, on the night you were betrayed, you took bread and broke it. You blessed it, Lord. And we ask you that tonight, Lord, you would bless this bread to fulfill your purpose as well, Lord. Let the bread that we hold here and the bread that each one in their homes hold tonight, Lord, cause it to remind us of your broken body. Amen. Amen. Pastor David is going to present the cup and pray with us. Jesus, thank you for your blood poured out for the sake of your people your sheep and because of your blood the just and righteous wrath of God passes over us yes. because it fell on you instead of us and because of your blood we are washed clean yes. spotless thank you Lord we were filthy in our sin and you yes. have made us clean and made us pure yes, God. and taken us as your bride, as your family. And because of your blood, we can have communion with you and we can have communion with our brothers and sisters yes. today and every day for all eternity. Lord, and so for your blood, we give thanks. Yes. Thank you, Lord, yes, in Jesus. Jesus' name. Amen. If you would place your hands in a receiving position, I want just to just put this blessing on you tonight. It says, May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I bless you in Jesus' name. I'll see you Sunday morning at 10 a.m.